Hello and welcome to the Make Your Lobby Meeting Memorable session. And my name is Bill Barron. I'm the regional coordinator for the Mountain West, and I live here in Salt Lake City. And I've been involved with CCL since 2010. Um, you know, initially when I got involved, meetings with members of Congress were in offices. And as you know, sometimes uh, there's not a lot of time to get uh, the things that you'd like to discuss covered. And so, um, what we are going to be talking about today is opportunities of how you can connect with members of Congress through different creative opportunities to connect and build these relationships with members of Congress. And so first, I'd like to take uh, the chance to introduce yours, all of us to the panelists. Um, and these are some great folks that are involved across the country, and I'll ask each of them to Give, your, give a brief introduction of themselves to you and share a little bit about their background with Citizens Climate Lobby. And so thank you so much for being here for this session. And I'll go to pass this off to Steffi Rausch and then Peter Dugas and Lauren Barros after that. <laughs> well, I, I, uh, I lead the uh, Western North Carolina chapter um, in Asheville, North Carolina. Um, I grew up uh, in Maryland, but have lived in a lot of different places, including Montana, where I dealt with extreme drought and fires there um, that threatened my home, my log home there. And then I moved to North Carolina, where uh, my front road became a river in my last house. Um, so I've moved twice due to climate and experienced extremes on both ends, east and west. Um, so I definitely have become more and more concerned over climate over the years, and I feel that CCL um, utilizes the best strategies. Uh, I feel they're very effective to get done that I've ever seen, and I really love their bipartisan federal approach. Super, and Peter? Hello, everybody. My name is Peter Dugas. I'm the state coordinator for Maine, um, and I'm very happy to be here. I've been involved with CCL since 2018, the summer of 2018, I went to my first meeting. Um, I'm a liaison for our junior senator here in the state and uh, a co-chair of the Portland chapter and uh, state coordinator for the past year plus. Um, I've been concerned about climate since I was an undergraduate doing kind of low-level data entry climate research in the late 90s. Uh, and it has, uh, and having a daughter and seeing the impending changes that I knew were coming 20, 25 years ago, like uh, the loss of our main shrimp industry as just one example in shortening winter recreation uh, seasons has just made me more and more uh, excited to work with CCL and uh, because um, their their bipartisan approach and their direct advocacy is makes a lot of sense. So I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Super. Thanks, Peter and Lauren. Hello. It's nice to be with all of you. I'm the chapter leader for the Wasatch back in Utah. That's Park City and more rural areas around there. I've been with Citizens Climate Lobby um, for about 10 years, and I'm a family law attorney during the day. I joined CCL when I saw Al Gore's movie, like many of you probably, and I got really worried about climate change and climate change uh, as it affected or would affect our daughter. And so at the time I was looking for how to get involved and how to do something more effective than um, just sitting back and complaining about it. 
and CCL had the right approach for me. So I lived in Salt Lake City up until six years ago. And then when I moved to Park City, I, um, I wanted to join a chapter. There wasn't a chapter up here. And another woman had previously run a chapter up here and said that she would start again if I would help her. And I did. And since then, uh, she stopped writing the chapter. But now I have two new co-leaders. And I'm happy to be here with you all today. Great. Thanks, Lauren. So um, now what we wanted to share with you is, again, the, the title of this session is Make Your Lobby Meeting Memorable. And um, we want to expand a little bit beyond that. And, and we have some really amazing stories from the three here, uh, the, our three panelists who have found fun and inventive and creative ways to engage with their member of Congress outside of conventional lobby meetings. So we're going to just get to an opportunity to hear these different stories uh, by each of them. And then we're going to start out with Steffi. So Steffi, would you mind sharing your story? Okay. Hey, everyone. So I'm here to share um, what we did with our member of Congress, which was a farm tour. Um, so because we live in Western North Carolina, we're made up of a lot of small farmers. And a lot of those small farmers do more diverse crops. So they don't have just one mono crop, but uh, a diverse uh, group of crops and usually practice uh, regenerative agriculture. Uh, it took a long time, many years for me to get these farmers together, but it seemed to come to fruition in the right time frame um, about now where the farm bill is about to be voted upon. Um, and so getting them together first to meet with them, uh, with our member of Congress in district, um, piqued his attention and our two asks that we asked um, of him in that meeting, he said yes to both of them, which was uh, really surprising. And, and just so you know, prior to this, we had had several meetings with him, but he was getting sick of the carbon price discussion. So. We really wanted to meet him more uh, where he was more comfortable. Um, and so talking about farmers, of course, a lot of uh, legislators love farmers. And um, given that the farm bill is coming up for a vote, it was very relevant. So uh, we had that in-district meeting with him. It went really well, like I said. Um, and uh, the first ask we asked at the very end, only 10 minutes or 15 minutes of talking we had, was for him to join the Conservative Climate Caucus. And he said, sure, done, I'll do it. Um, and he did join. Um, the second was to support soil health in the farm bill um, and conservation, which is apparently going to be in the farm bill, some, some of those things. So he agreed to both. And then we went further. We asked him, well, would you like to come see the farms and go on a farm tour? And he said, anything to get out of the office. <laughs> so we... Uh, scheduled it uh, several months. We had five farmers. Um, it was two hour long farm tour. Um, we visited two farms that were within 15 minutes of each other. And we also had our conservative liaison, Brad Coppathorn, drive his luxury lucid air electric car between the two farms. We asked if it was okay if we drove him. And we talked to him about permitting reform in the car. Um, but that was really um, very successful. In fact, uh, the member of Congress was so serious about the farm tour that he brought a photographer along and asked if it was okay to take pictures 
Of course, we loved that. Um, he also brought his chief of staff and a staffer with ag experience. Um, so that was a really good sign. Um, he was very engaged, asked many questions. We stayed away from controversial topics because we knew his background was, um, he's uh, owned a franchise of McDonald's. Um, so we kind of stayed away from like the beef uh, concepts and more focused on soil health and sustainable land practices. Um, and our, uh, we had a photo shoot, of course, which you can see uh, some of that on the right-hand side there. Um, and we asked him to include us in his newsletter. Um, and he said, do you, would you like that? And we said, yes, of course. And he, he said, of course, I'll do it. And he promoted us on social media as well. Um, our ask in that farm tour was the TSP Access Act. Um, and one of the farmers had it uh, firsthand experience with a technical service provider um, where they they had helped him get solar panels on his farm. So, um, and then another one also had some experience. So it was really relevant in showing him everything firsthand, what regenerative ag looks like. And in his newsletter, he reiterated a lot of the very words that we, we um, educated him on. So we were surprised at how much he retained or his staffers retained um, and um, he seemed very supportive, um, but we have not yet seen him co-sponsor the TSP Access Act and are going to, in fact, this week ask um, his staffer in their, our, our lobby meeting if he would support that. And then we are writing an op-ed and thanks for him coming on the tour. Um, so um, I guess the last thing I could say in my last minute here is that... Um, you know, the one thing he said in his newsletter that I thought was so interesting and, and nice, um, very unique words uh, to describe the, the meeting. Um, he said, these salt of the earth uh, family farmers proudly engage in responsible environmentally friendly processes that support sustainable land use practices. They use crop and livestock rotation, agroforestry, improved pollination, smart rotation of ground covers, soil tillage reduction, and many other methods to provide food for our communities and help preserve our mountains. One farmer said her grandfather described these techniques as old-fashioned country farming. So um, the words from a true conservative. Thank you. Oh, that's great, Steffi. Thanks so much for that. And uh, we will we'll be having some Q&A period after everyone shares their story. So stand by for questions. And if you have any questions that you want specific for Steffi, please feel free to put them in the chat. And now I'll pass it over to Peter. Thanks, Bill. Yeah, that's a great story, Steffi. Um, I'm jealous because our lawmaker we have invited to a farm uh, tour a few times and it's always never worked out because it's um, because it's but uh, we, we hold out hope. But um, um, so our background, we've done kind of, you know, we tried to use the distinction of our states to its advantage, just that it's so small. Um, there's only there's only a 1.2, 1.3 million Mainers um, in Maine. Um, and we also kind of tried to take lemons, uh, which was COVID, into lemonade by um, knowing that we were going to Zoom meetings, which didn't have the same kind of gravitas as going up to Capitol Hill. Um, we tried to use that to see what kind of advantage we could have. And as many of you, I'm sure, know, one of the things that we really learned was that it brought us closer to some of the endorsing businesses and community leaders 
who had been hearing from us and had officially signed on to endorsing uh, the Energy Innovation Carbon Dividend Act were um, were pleased to have this opportunity to to meet with our lawmakers. Um, you know, it's unlikely that they would have the time uh, or the wherewithal or want or to go down to D.C. for the conference and then meetings afterwards, but to ask for 30 minutes to half an hour to 45 minutes or so uh, on a Zoom call was something that was a much easier ask for us. So we did bring those a lot. And you can see uh, in the bottom left of the corner, this kind of collage of, of meetings that we've had where we brought some um, local economists, uh, some local big business leaders. Um, even the uh, the the bishop of the church that one of our lawmakers uh, who um, is is there and present um, trying to get them at all at all the angles um, and it was it was a wonderful meeting and those really opened up their eyes um, and one of the things we learned as things did go into Zoom was that there is a lot of opportunity for finding staff uh, or personnel from our lawmakers offices within a lot of the outreach we were doing just within our state. Um, <clears throat> So one thing we were doing is bringing in community and business leaders from the state. Second thing we were doing was doing a lot of outreach with En-ROADS. I know a lot of the people on the call are familiar with it or have been trained on it. Um, I particularly, when I first saw it in a beta run, gosh, what was that summer of 2019 or something, um, knew that it was going to be very persuasive with our junior senator, Angus King because uh, he was such a, a data geek and so interested in seeing models and um, and projections. So we immediately got that um, uh, in front of him and in front of his staff, and it became a, a really opened up the conversation in a way that was playful and interactive with them, uh, and a way for them to see the effectiveness of carbon pricing in a way that wasn't just us relying on on our, our usual things, but letting them kind of find out for themselves. Um, so I highly uh, encourage that. And in fact, we've had other opportunities where I've given Enro's presentations to other groups around, you know, smaller community or regional things around the state and seen some of the staff of our representatives and senators on those calls, on Zoom calls, uh, which has been very pleasing to see because it, it means that they're hearing it from other opportunities. Um, so uh, we also involve a lot of, of kids. Um, when we have gone down to DC, you can see in some of these pictures, uh, of kids from high school age to junior high school or even younger elementary school in some cases um, down to down to DC. We're also keep keeping an eye on on where you know as it's a small state what opportunities we may have for running into our lawmakers. Um, when Ang um, when Al Franken uh, was no longer a senator, what was doing his comedy tour through Portland, I knew uh, how tight a relationship our lawmakers had with him. Uh, both on the state level and, and national uh, level. So we made sure that we went there because we knew we were going to run into them, uh, which was a great opportunity to see them in a kind of social atmosphere. Um, and another thing that happened is there's a state call, statewide calling program on our local uh, National Public Radio affiliate. And when uh, our senators, our representatives are, are present on those things, we make sure we have volunteers that are there to, to, to um, praise them for their climate leadership publicly on live radio so that it can happen. And I remember one time being quoted, uh, our, one of our volunteers was quoted by one of our law, um, one of our lawmakers had said that on climate, it's a very uh, difficult problem. And there's the, the, he had said, I think the quote was, the, a friend of mine had said one time that there's no 
um, a silver bullet, only silver buckshot, which comes exactly from the En-ROADS training, which because he said a friend of his had told him this made me very pleased to find out that we were considered our lawmakers friends. That made us very happy. Um, and then one last thing I would say um, is that when we do have successes to celebrate them, um, and again, we kind of leveraged the relationships we had with some of our endorsers um, when our first district representative became the first main lawmaker to endorse the Energy Innovation Carbon Dividend Act a few years ago, we threw a party for her um, at the uh, Urban Farm Fermentary downtown Portland. It's about three feet above uh, high tide mark. Uh, so they are on the front lines of, of rising sea level. And the, that's a picture of uh, one of our youngest volunteers um, thanking her uh, on the bottom right. Uh, and they've got, we invited local news stations to cover it. Uh, we wrote, invited the press. Um, it became a, a, a very nice opportunity for us to publicly thank her and um, get her some attention for uh, and praise for what she had been working on and for her work on on the issue and also some public attention to the, the conversation that was going all on uh, at that point, you know, on a bipartisan level on um, on climate solutions at the national level and Maine's unique leverage as the only state with both senators on the Senate Climate Solutions Caucus. So we've been really pleased. Um, we're always looking for new opportunities and ideas on how to change up our lobby meetings, but we're very lucky to have um, cultivated great relationships with, uh, with all four of our lawmakers here in the state. So I'll pass it on. Great, thanks, Peter. And uh, I loved I loved how you shared about how you leveraged your En-ROADS uh, presentations to really move into other opportunities from there. So now we'll pass it off to Lauren uh, from the Wasatch Back. Thanks, Bill. Well, I'm inspired now with Steffi's farm tour. I think that's something um, our representative might be really interested in. But Bill asked me to talk about the bipartisan ping pong tournament that we hosted last spring. And I'm going to tell you all about that. But I also think that it was um, it's sort of the tip of the iceberg of things that we've been doing with our congressional representatives that are really fun and wouldn't happen except for the history behind it. So the ping pong tournament um, was actually Bill's, Bill Barron's idea. And he set it up with a like a ping pong emporium place um, in Salt Lake City. And then I asked if Representative Curtis would like to join. And I think, I guess what I'm trying to say is that because of the history we have with him, because of all the other things we do with him, he his office said, sure, I'll stop by. So he did. And because he came, we were able to get a lot of other people to come who might not otherwise have come. So we got a lot of state legislators and people from a lot of other environmental groups, clean energy groups. And we had a pretty good showing and it was really fun. Um, we didn't ask him to pass anything when he was there and we didn't talk about policy. And I have to say that most of the time we don't with him. And I, I think it works well to sort of, to do that, to have that friendship, that relationship. But um, when we have more time with him to sort of to explore his ideas more. And he's, if any of you are familiar with him, um, he's really taken off on the climate issues in Congress. He's created the conservative climate, um, conservative climate group. And uh, we don't need to talk with him all that much because he's pretty motivated himself at this point. Let me talk about more with the staff. So 
originally, the um, when I started this chapter, I thought, you know, meetings are okay, but um, I hate sitting inside. And so let's go for a hike and we'll, we'll maybe do that each month too. So we started to go for hikes and everyone else liked going for hikes too. And so we then started to invite other local leaders to join us. And then when Representative Curtis was elected, he did a walking town hall and he went up Mount Tipinogos, which is, which is huge. It's like an all day, super steep hike. And this wasn't about climate. This is when he was just first elected. And he just, you know, if anyone who could keep up with him, they could talk to him and ask him questions all day. So we knew that he liked hiking. And since that time, we started saying, hey, when we have our lobby meetings with you that are out here, why don't we just do it on a hike? And now for the first time this year, he actually reached out to us to say, well, not he, but his office did, to say that they'd like to hike and we would like to schedule it. And so... It's been really terrific because when we go on hikes, you know, we have we have hours with him. And that way a lot of our our members can all have a chance to talk with him. And the last hike we did, I think it was the last one, he brought his wife and his adult son too. And it's just um it's really nice to get to know them too. And it really makes the relationship a lot better. Um also some other things that we do. I think part of the other reason why we have this relationship is because I um, I was friends with his district director because she used to be a family law attorney. And so we have that friendship. And I invited her to one of the first panels we put on a few years ago um, of local mayors talking about climate solutions. And she came to that. And then since then, she's come to a lot of our events. So recently she joined us just a few weeks ago when we planned a field trip to um, to, a, to Price, Utah, which is in coal country. And we toured the power plant there, which was pretty exciting. She came with us for that. And in the morning we toured an electronics manufacturer that's in this town that's trying to diversify. And they're now, they pivoted from making electronics for the coal industry to making electronics for solar, which is pretty cool. She also came to a movie that we put on uh, last month about fire prevention and mitigation. And we had a panel afterwards discussing it. And it, the movie talked a lot about the fire in Paradise, California. It turned out that someone who works for Representative Curtis's staff lived in Paradise. And so the two of them came to that and that was pretty great too. Also, we have another, our districts are kind of split. So we have another representative here, Representative Blake Moore, and some things we've done with him, or he came on a hike with us right before he was elected. And then since that time, we then had his uh, local person last summer join us for a hike. The year before, uh, it was a different person who liked a mountain bike. And we went to where, near where he lived and mountain biked with him. And that was great too, because again, you just get hours and hours with folks doing it that way. So uh, now what I'm hoping to do next is with Representative Moore's um, legislative director in DC, he mentioned that he likes to fish and that someone had recently come to lobby him and took him fishing in DC. So I wanna see if we could set that up and see if when we go to DC, maybe let us go fishing with him because it seems like that's, that's um, kind of his thing. Okay, well, thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about it.
Oh, that's great, Lauren. Thanks for sharing about all that. And it, it's great to hear all of your different stories and and how you uh, made these connections with your uh, member of Congress or reached communities in a unique way. Um, and so uh, again, I, I think I said, put your questions in the chat and I meant to say the Q&A. So please feel free to put questions in the Q&A for the panelists. I'm gonna start off with a few questions just to get things going here. Uh, and I'll just open this up to any of you who would like to offer input. But to, to start with, um, why should other chapters uh, consider engaging their members of Congress in, in unique ways? And how do you choose what those unique ways should be? I guess should I? Yeah, yeah just, go, uh, just go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Well, first, I mean, I would say look at what committees they're on. Number one, that's always my go-to. Um, look at what things they're covering in their newsletter, what things pertain to them, what kind of constituency you have, uh, what businesses make money there, what businesses are impacted by climate as well. You know, those kinds of things are what I think um, gets their attention. Um, and, and one thing I forgot to say with the farmers is like, we also shared the impacts of climate on them and how they bear those costs um, and what they're doing about it to prevent further climate impacts. So whenever you find, you know, talk about costs, figure out what the constituencies are. Like in our area, small farmers are a big constituency here. Um, he likes farmers. He does have an agriculture committee that uh, one of our people is on his committee. Um, food is big for him. Uh, he used to own actually a McDonald's um, franchise. So like you just look at his their interests and try to go from there and um, figure out you know ways to talk to embed climate into that. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I I think it's really important just to see what they like to do. So with Representative Curtis, he liked to hike, which was great. With uh, Representative Moore, he likes to ski, so we tried to get a ski date with them last spring, and it didn't work out. But they promised us it will again this year. And with his local folks, like one likes to mountain bike, one likes to hike. So we just figure out what they like to do. And if they don't like to do anything outside, that's fine too. We organized a little event a year ago where some of us went up to their to the district office and just brought them bagels and asked if we could just sit down with them for a little while and have some bagels. And that's okay too. Peter, do you have anything to add? No, I was just going to, well, the only thing I would add is that um, one of our lawmakers has a, a, a Wednesday morning constituent uh, blueberry muffin breakfast for uh, for any folks who happen to be in D.C. So it's always great when we, we go down to D.C. in June, we always make sure that we stay over, if we have some people who can stay over an extra night to make sure they pay a visit, or if they happen to be in D.C. for other reasons and they're still in CCL, even though they're, it's not a CCL event, to come down and Put a CCL pin and 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 be present there. And these, um, oftentimes, you know, uh, our lawmakers will notice the pin and say, "Oh, I love you guys. It's great to to continue the conversation." Um, and that's uh, continues this feedback loop where um, we're seen more as allies working in the district to help them make it politically obvious what the right thing to do is for both the politics and for the environment. Um, so it's it's a it cultivates this kind of uh, cooperative relationship. 
Awesome. Thank you. Um, so, you know, thinking back to the earlier years with my involvement with Citizens Climate Lobby, I always saw lobbying as sort of this, you know, pretty strict parameter. You go into a lobby meeting, you're organized, you do it in the CCL way. And, and um, it was kind of mind blowing to start thinking about, you know, just other creative ways to um, have the develop these relationships with our members of Congress and and doing outreach in unique ways that um, you know may bring in more groups and more uh, you know participation by community leaders, et cetera. And so I'm curious um, in the efforts that you all made in these uh, very creative ways, um, what were the challenges that you enc encountered in doing them? And do you have any tips for how to address those challenges that may have come along the way? I can start perhaps. Um, the challenge for us is always has been trying to do something creative is, is the scheduling, just trying to find a spot within their schedule that where they can make it work. Um, you, I don't know if Lauren and, and Steffi feel the same way, but it's uh, oftentimes it's, yeah, we'd love to be there. And then um, we're getting all excited and at the last minute something changes or um, Congress has to pass you know, something to, so they can, so that the government doesn't shut down. So it gets in our way of our social calendar or something like that. But, um, we, uh, but we always do feel like, um, the fact that they're, they're considerate enough to, to reach out and say that they'd like to be there is, is helpful. Um, and just, I think having, I, I think the, the way to resolve that is giving enough opportunities that it seems, you know, reading the, the tenor of the conversation or the dialogue well enough that you feel like, um, you're not being a pest, but you're putting enough out there for the, them to have a continued opportunity to meet. And also having volunteers queued up enough so that if something falls into your lap at the last minute, you can have somebody mobilized to 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 be there at the right place at the right time to bump into them or just to give a handshake and a smile. Excellent. <clears throat> Thanks so much. We're gonna uh, we're gonna be moving to uh, questions from the audience here in just a moment, but I'm gonna just have one last question for all of you, which is, you know, what what's happened post event? Uh, what next steps do you plan to do or try to do this again and grow the idea in your area? I know Lauren, you talked a little bit about this, but um, just sort of thinking, how do you continue building on these great ideas um, moving forward? Well, I'll give it a, a stab. I think just continuing that relationship prompts you to to want to make dates to do something else. So I I'm also the liaison to Representative Moore. So I try to just keep in touch with them pretty regularly and let them know what we're doing or ask them what's going on, like any movement, you know, on what's permanent going, you know, any reform right now, or just even if they don't reply. <laughs> just continually trying to keep that line of communication open. And in that way, every time we do an event, I invite them to the event. And, um, you know, another thing um, that someone mentioned in a previous session about running a chapter that stuck with me was that when you have co-leaders or sometimes you have someone who doesn't have time for a lot, but they have time for a good idea, you get more ideas for more kinds of, different kinds of things to do. So our first town hall was because we had an intern come who ended up not doing a whole lot. He was a college student who was just there for a little bit, but he was like, what if we had a town hall? <laughs> and so, you know, that was a great idea. Or um, another co-leader that I have right now was one who said, I'd love to do a film, like a film and a panel. So he took that on. 
So I think that having more people helping you really leads to having more ideas and keeping that line of communication open with the representative's office. Make sure that they they can see all the different things you're doing and they can, you know, they're gonna feel guilty at some point if they just say no to everything. I, I love that support for creative ideas too. So um, Steffi or Peter, do you have other things to add? No, but I do have answers to questions in the Q&A eventually, I guess, when we get there. <laughs> All right. Well, Peter, do you have anything or we will move to the Q&A? Yeah, let's, I, I don't have anything much to add to that. So let's, let's move on. Okay. So um, uh, my, my questionnaires, do you mind asking the, the question at the top of the list there? Or maybe we should start with the one Steffi just mentioned um you were going to answer so why don't you do that one first Steffi and then we'll move to questions in the Q&A okay um I did try to write reply to the first two but the last one that was asked pretty is really good how did you prepare for these unusual events for for the farm tour for example you know um unfortunately these farmers um don't have a lot of time and that was one of our biggest issues was not only scheduling with the the legislator but working with the farmer's schedule, um, I had to literally go meet these farmers at their farms and talk with them when they had time um, or call them early in the morning at like 7 a.m. <laughs> um, so, um, you know, they did not take the climate advocacy training. And so we had to really prepare them. And in fact, I had a lot of conversations with them <laughs> many times over as to why we're having this meeting. <laughs> Um, and they were hard to to get on board with meeting with a legislator. They did not believe in it. Uh, they did not feel comfortable doing it. They did not understand why they had any influence at all on a legislator. So um, that was discussed multiple times with them. And um, we had two prep meetings, one hour, actually one, an hour and a half long, preparing them with an agenda and what person, which person would cover what, um, and kind of explaining them how this all works um, and getting them really on board. Like that was many years of talking to farmers. So this is not an easy thing to do. Um, don't think that it is, but it was the most worthwhile thing to do. Um, and it had to us the most impact because um, it really, he took it seriously, our legislator, and uh, as you saw, you know, brought a photographer, his chief of staff, et cetera. So hope that helps there, but definitely planning is important and key. Yeah. Great. Thanks, Steffi. And I think Susan's got a question for the uh, uh, the panelists. Well, sure. Actually, I was going to see if anybody else had a response to that question about how do you prepare for these unusual events? I didn't know if Peter and Laura... Yeah. You know, for some of them, we don't prepare at all. Like for the ping pong tournament. I mean, I, I try to brush up on my skills, but other than that, we just <clears throat> went. But for like the long hikes that we go on, uh, the liaison to Representative Curtis likes to hold a meeting. And it's, it's really helpful, I think. It's just a Zoom prep meeting like you would for any lobby meeting, but to identify who's going to talk with them about what and uh, who's going to, you know, just sort of the normal lobby meeting roles. And I... I think that's good because that way we don't have everyone bombarding him with the same issues, like everyone asking him if he'll pass a carbon fee. You know, so those are really helpful. 
That's great advice. Peter, do you have a response too? Yeah, I, I was, I mean, I kind of echo what Lauren was saying about for some events, it's just, it's, it's just the flexibility of having folks there. Some of them, like in our cases, have kind of fallen together very uh, quickly. So it's just getting some, some folks there who are, who are fluent enough and, um, you know, a, a good mix of people who uh, have gone through the CAT training and who, have, who know the CCL ideas of making sure that it's uh, it's always a positive relationship building experience for all involved. Awesome. Thank you so much. So there are two questions that are kind of around this theme. Um, basically, how do you get your congressmen to agree to do this in the first place, particularly Republicans who might be turned off by the term climate or who might be in a district that is like 30 percent Republican? What is your secret? Um, I would just say, again, just always keep looking at what they're interested in. And I think if you get the right people into a meeting, it piques their interest. So you have to somehow pique their interest. You have to find out what that is. And sometimes it takes some time. Um, but I don't know. That's all I can say. <laughs> when I became the liaison representative more, they weren't really responding to me. And I had to just keep emailing over and over and over. I called and left messages. And, and then finally, uh, one day, they wrote and said, hey, here's this guy in a, the local office, and he's going to be in charge of environmental issues, and you can reach out to him. And so we said, great. And then that's when we just asked, can we come to you? Can I bring you bagels? How about next week? You know, I really pinned him down and it's it's been good ever since. But it was really frustrating for a while. And I I um you know sometimes if you feel like you just want to give up, but I think it's just plugging away works pretty well. Great. Well, I'll uh, I just have another question that I thought I'd throw in there too, which is um, you know, what what uh what do you think would be the next step that you want to take um, with any of your member of Congress or other ideas that you want to throw out there for people to consider um, through the experience that you've had? You know, I think that um, what what comes to mind to me, which I really liked, was the idea of hiking with your member of Congress because it gives you so much time to, it's not just this forced confine of, of 30 minutes or 15 minutes, but rather over a period of time where you get to know the member of Congress or community leader better um, just by being people. And I'm um, wondering how, how you might expand on that through the ideas that you've already created. I have to say something like mountain biking. I know one of our senators loves mountain biking, apparently. Um, there was a mountain bike company that got covered here that um, is very environmentally friendly. So we're thinking of doing something with them or taking them on like a brewery tour, anything that relates to climate, uh, right? And um, as we know, I used to lead that brewery stuff here and <laughs> nationwide. And so um, that's always a good talking point uh, about beer and climate too. So I don't know, those are two ideas maybe. Any other ideas? I also really like Steffi's idea about the farm tour because just recently, Representative Curtis's office indicated they're kind of interested in regenerative agriculture and looking into it more. So I've uh, reached out to his district director to see if she had some ideas for what kind of farms maybe we could go take a look at or ranches. But also I was thinking about how 
are a congressional representative goes to conferences in the area, you know, in the district. And we, so we make a point of going to those same conferences so that we can say hello. And it seems like that all representatives probably do this. They probably go to, to something in the local area. So just go to where, go to where you can find them if, if they won't respond, or even if they do respond. And it really shows them that you care about some of the same things they care about. Excellent. Peter, anything to add? Yeah, I mean, this, I echo everything that's been said. I would say that the, um, the you know, there's always somebody who's coming up with another idea of, of where a lawmaker might be when they're at home or in district. And um, I, I'm anxious to answer the next one in the chat, so I'll be brief. But, you know, we one of the things we have um, had opportunities where we've sent folks out um you know, knowing that uh, what days the lawmakers are skiing at certain mountains within Maine, where we're sending it, where like we do a ski day and everybody's like riding the singles line, hoping to go up with our, with our member of Congress so that they could ride the chairlift up. I mean, it's not a, a, a hike up a, a Rocky Mountain or anything. It's more like a, you know, a, a, a speed lift, you know, of 10 minutes or more to, to get up to the top of the mountain, but it's, um, it's those kinds of things that have bear, bared fruit uh, a, a few um, a few times with staffers, uh, and we're, we're always looking for those opportunities to actually meet with the lawmaker themselves. Great, thanks. Um, I, I know this will be a quick answer. Um, the question, the uh, Q and A. Um, well, I'll do the quick and then a little longer one. The quicker one is: do, Should we do these activities with staff members only? And um, I think I noted the answer to this, but please go ahead. Should we all unmute and say it in unison? <laughs> sure. <laughs> why just staff? I would say, yeah, but why not the member of Congress? Yeah, I yeah. think uh, right. if, if the member of Congress isn't available, it's great to do it with a staff member too. You right. know, instead, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think the the point I wanted to take out of that was that you know if you can't connect with your member of Congress, it's still valuable to uh, reach out and have uh, some sort of event with staff too, because building a relationship with staff is is also very important. Um, a question also came up about, uh, is anyone trying to do this with youth uh, and the youth action team? And if so, uh, how did it go? Uh, yeah, I, I'll take a shot at that. We have... Um... The En-ROADS thing has, because it's such an educational tool, such an interactive thing, it's a way, um, it, I've, we've done a lot of outreach in Maine in schools. I mean, there's always, it's a, a limitless horizon of places you could go with that tool, um, but we happen to take it to a kind of a STEM oriented school in Portland and um, they happen, we, you know, after the conversation, I was talking to the science teachers, um, this was last winter and they ended up Turns out that they uh, their school gets out a little bit earlier and they get out the Friday before the weekend of the of the June lobby meeting. So I said, well, what do you I think you guys should join up uh, and, and head, you know, and, and consider doing the training and coming down for the conference and the lobby meeting. So we had, um, I think, 15, 14 or 15 high school and junior high school age kids from Maine uh, and a couple of college kids, I guess. Um, <clears throat> 
all who took the train with us down there got to you know pair off with a chaperone and older more seasoned uh climate um advocate from ccl and uh and it was a wonderful opportunity uh, all those people are uh are varying degrees associated with the youth uh action team within ccl um and it's borne a lot of fruit because nothing i'm I've, for anyone who's brought somebody under voting age into a lobby meeting they know that there's nothing more disarming and, and um, then uh, then uh, then bringing youth around with you, and just because they're Peter, they're, um... Peter I'm, I'm sorry, we we're, we've run out of time. I, oh, I'm I, sorry. I okay, a little more time, but um, okay. we are at the end of this session, and uh, sorry to do that to you, but um, really appreciate you being here, and look forward to all of you joining the closing session with Dr. Danny Richter. And thanks so much to all our panelists and all our attendees for attending this session. And uh, have a great afternoon. Thank you for listening to this episode of Citizens Climate Lobby's training program. You can tune into more episodes anywhere podcasts are available. Inspired by what you heard today? Join Citizens Climate Lobby to advocate for bipartisan climate solutions. Go to community.citizensclimate.org to find more trainings, resources, your local chapter, national action teams, discussion forums, and more. Be sure to like our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Citizens Climate. We also invite all of our listeners to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more inspiration. Like what you hear? Recommend us to your friends and make sure to give us a five-star rating. It helps us show up on other listeners' feeds. Feel free to pass on any suggestions for future episodes in the comments as well. And together, we are creating the political will for a livable world.